Welcome to episode 125 of the Various and Sundry podcast. I am your host, Matt Harmon, joined live from the Vault Studio on the beautiful campus of Grace College and Theological Seminary by my good friend, my colleague, my co-host, and the man who in his spare time conducts brass ensembles. That's not true. John Scott Sloat. That's not true, although it does sound like there's a big band underneath us well, right now. Well, th- there is. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, so uh, now that the intro music is at this point faded out, uh, you may hear in the background that uh, there is a a, a large band practicing in the studio below us. So you went down and asked them when they're finished, when – well, maybe not when, but how many people are down there? Uh, There's 10. Really? Yeah. Did you know anybody? No. Okay. No. Were they Grace – College people? I, you know, I, I don't think they are. I think they might be high school students. Really? Because I saw a a uh, a, a small bus in our parking lot. Oh, you're right. Uh, from a Christian school that's in the area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did see that so as I well. Think, Interesting. I think that's probably who's in there right now. Okay. That's my guess. That's my guess. So um, – and I – I resisted the urge to tell them um, John Sloat says to knock it off. Yeah, that name carries a lot of weight. It's a lot of weight. Particularly with the uh, small Christian school community. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. Well, if you would like to get in contact with the show to bring in your own 8 to 10 member band and play in the background <laughs> while we record, you can find us on Twitter at VNSPod. You can email the show variousandsundrypodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook and on YouTube. And we would, of course, love for you to leave us a review and a five-star rating. Yep, absolutely. So um, how was your weekend? Oh, Anything was, exciting? Uh, not not that comes to mind. A lot of yard work, a lot of uh, – oh, you remember that uh, vertical herb garden I started that fell apart? Yes. I finished it. OK. That's good. I'll have to show you a photo. I would like to after, see that. After the pot. I would like yeah. to see that. Yeah. Um, I, I think when I envision what your weekends are like during the summer, I, I, I would capture it by these two elements, growing grass mm-hmm. and smoking. Uh, smoking meats, yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably probably more grass growing right now. Okay, um, I do I do a little bit of smoking meats, but not as much as I used to. But okay, yeah. Oh, that's lovely. Yes, this isn't that is, nice? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if we could motivate John to send that to me, we could consider actually posting that on the yeah. On I, social can, media I can send that, that to you. Um, but uh, sent well, excellent. Okay, now it's on me to post it since you. Do you have access? I can't remember. Do you have access to our to the Twitter feed? You have access to our Twitter feed, not the Facebook one, but not the Facebook. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right, gotcha. All right, so um, you want to jump right into sports here? Sure, sure. Okay. Um, how was how was your weekend? You had a much more eventful weekend than I did. Yeah, I, I was I was out of town. Okay, I was uh, I was out of state, in fact. So um, I'll say a little bit more about that. Oh, it's my, my, bad. It's, my bad. That's fine. No, you're fine. Oh, okay. it's, it's my one thing I liked. So, ah, okay. so I'll, I'm, I, that'll be a tease. Great. Great. Yeah, All right. I mean, well, let's, last let's... episode, we did do some teasing of some potential changes coming 
to the podcast. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and we did get one specific listener who um, was a little unsettled by the fact that we did that. Yeah, yeah. He didn't like it. Yeah, um, which yeah, I suppose I apologize for that. But, you know, I'm not sure that I really apologize for that. Our, our, we do have some – some life update news at some point. At some point, are, yes. Are, are we not? We're not. But we're not ready to. No, I think it goes public Friday. So okay, all yeah. right. Yeah, maybe next week. Uh, next, next week. Yeah. Next, okay, let's do that. Gotcha. So there's another tease. Yeah, we'll we'll tease that. Though, also. quite frankly, the person who gave us the most pushback about teasing probably already knows or will know by then. He does, and he heard it from somebody, but he would not tell me who he heard it from. I don't think it was me. I don't think so either. I mean, but he, he wouldn't. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. All right. So now that we've we've done some more teasing, uh, let's talk sports. Uh, main things going on: um, NBA playoffs. Uh, Golden State up three nothing on the Mavs. That series is over, uh, except for the crying. Um, and uh, Celtics Heat. Mm-hmm. Two games apiece. Have you watched any of the NBA playoffs? Nope, have not. What is what has stood out to me? I've watched some. Was the the lack of close competitive games? Hmm. Most of these games have felt like blowouts. Like the game last night. We're actually recording on a Tuesday, the day that we are releasing the episode. Yeah, it wasn't even close. Well, and what was the final margin? That was like eighteen. I was twenty. Twenty. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the, the Celtics were up by as much as like. 35 to 40 in that range somewhere. Just unexplainable blowouts in the playoffs. That's weird. Um, But it looks like we're going to have Golden State from the West and then either the Celtics or the Heat in the the East. Uh, And what did we guess? Celtics Heat? Is that what we – or excuse me, Heat uh, Warriors? I think you you went with Heat and I went with Celtics just to be contrary. Okay, okay. I would not enjoy a, a Golden State Miami Finals. I don't like either of those teams. Hmm. But um, NHL playoffs are going on. Neither of us are following that. Correct. No, I mean, I see it on Twitter, just like I see the NBA playoffs. But no, I haven't watched anything. And the PGA Championship was this weekend. Yes, yes. I did not follow a single moment of that, other than I saw a tweet that said Tiger Woods withdrew after round three, after shooting a seventy-nine around three. Um, the only tweet I saw about it was that this is the worst two back-to-back major championships in a generation. Oh, well, that could be. I just it it I was out of town. I was with family, so you know that that was even if I wanted to, I, yeah. I wouldn't have watched much. But I might have you know tried to follow a little bit more on on Twitter, but just hasn't moved the dial for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's going on with your Mets? Uh, the Mets still have not lost consecutive games this season. So every time we lose, the next one we win. So okay. that's that's a good recipe for a good season. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we're in. Uh, they're in. Oh my goodness, they're in San Francisco right now. The games start at nine forty-five. That's PM. like two hours past your bedtime. That's not quite two. I'm definitely <laughs> in bed, but I definitely had it up last night. Luckily, in like the third inning, they scored five runs. I was like, I think I'll go to sleep. And they won thirteen to two or something like that. Okay. So. Gotcha. Now, did I see Max Scherzer is on the DL? Yeah, yeah. He uh, he has an oblique injury, uh, so he's sh- uh, strained that somehow. Okay. And so he's on the shelf for six to eight weeks. So we're 
we're stitching together pitching performances right now. All right. And so we're really like just trying to get to the all-star break. If we get to the all-star break, we get at least uh, – we'll get th- two of our three pitchers that are on the IL. Oh, okay. Good stuff. Good stuff. So Yeah, yeah. It's been a good season though. I mean we're in first place, up eight games in May. Yeah. That feels pretty good. That is good. Yeah. Um, let's uh, – Let's remind our listeners at this point um, about our summer read. Yeah. So we're doing Randy Newman's uh, Mirror Evangelism, 10 Insights from C.S. Lewis to help you share your faith. Yes. And we'll have a link in the show notes. Uh, We will start discussing that June – the episode that drops June 8th. So if you already have it or want to get a head start on that, we will discuss the introduction and the first three chapters. So that's not next week but the – following week. Correct. Two episodes from now because mm-hmm. this one's dropping on the 24th. The next one will drop on the 31st. Is that right? Today's 24th? Yeah. Yep, yeah. Today's 24th. So 31st and then June 7th will be the first episode that we discuss this. OK. So. Uh, well, we'll have to we'll have to pre-record that since I'm I'm out of town that day. Uh, yeah, we're tis, – tis the season of the year. Yeah. Conferencing. Weird. And, and just – Inconsistent, weird times to record, mm-hmm. like on a Tuesday morning today, and having a band accompanying us in the basement. Those yeah, like although they maybe they've stopped, or perhaps are getting reprimanded. <laughs> Heard some flat <laughs> notes there. So yeah, yeah. So uh, make sure you pick up a copy of Randy Newman's book. We'll start discussing that June seventh, and we will conclude that ultimately with a uh, recorded interview with Randy, and that's on the schedule. Yes, we are scheduled to record that um, in a couple of weeks, and that episode will drop. I think July fourth week, yeah, is when that drops. Okay. What else are you reading this summer? Just, just out of curiosity, like what, like what do you got your, what do you got a couple bookmarks in right now? Yeah, so I just finished uh, Rod Dreher's The Benedict Option. I had not read okay. that yet. Have you read that? I have not. I've heard a lot about it. A lot of hot takes about that. Yeah, it's. Uh, What's striking is it came out in like 2017. Yeah. and It's been out for a while. And he, he is ahead of the curve on seeing a lot of these things. Mm. Um, and again, I don't agree with everything that's in there, but uh, a lot of good thoughtful um, ideas on how Christians should react to living in a culture that is increasingly uh, more and more hostile towards mm-hmm. traditional Christian beliefs. So, and is he Protestant Catholic? Like, where does he where does he find himself? I think himself? he is Eastern Orthodox. Okay, so he went I with think. the one that I didn't mention. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes, awesome. Yes, yes, indeed. So, uh, but very friendly towards evangelicals, and um, you know, he he tends to be a little bit more um, friendly towards evangelicals. At points, you will read it and say, "This is an evangelical." Oh no, no, no. actually, some of the things he's suggesting that's not really evangelical, but. Um, that was interesting. Any, uh, any other bookmarks in books right now? Anything, anything that are – Well, I'm, I'm gearing up for our summer reading group mm. and I have to make a decision on what book we're doing. Okay. So trying to land on what we're going to do. I think – spoiler alert to the guys in the reading group. I think we're going to do uh, uh, T.D. Alexander's Face to Face with God mm. um, on Christ's role as priest and mediator I think. So I think that's what we're going to do. Yeah. And if you'd like to be a part of that, move to the Warsaw area and become <laughs> friends with Matt Arm and get there invited to the summer reading group. There yeah. you go. Uh, what about you? 
Um, well, this will be one of the one things I like, but I'm, I'm still in the middle of a C.S. Lewis biography. So yeah. I put that down for a couple of months, picked it back up. Fat, he's a fascinating person. Yeah. When we interview Randy, you, you can work in some questions in there because he, he's a, he's a, a C.S. Lewis guru. Interesting. Yeah. Um, one of the things I just recently read, I wasn't planning on going here right now, but uh, did you know that C.S. Lewis corresponded with a priest in Italy? They would write letters back and forth, but Lewis didn't speak Italian, and this Italian priest didn't speak English. So they wrote letters back and forth in Latin to one another. <laughs> Isn't that wild? Yes. That's that's insane to yeah. me that yeah. that they were both so good at Latin that they could they could correspond. And I don't think maybe they met once, but I, but I know when this guy died, Lewis felt like he he really lost somebody. Hmm. That is interesting. Yeah, anyway, Lewis was, is a fascinating so dude. So I'm reading that. I'm reading What About Free Will, um, oh, book yeah. I picked up at T4G. Yes. And then uh, I just got uh, Thomas Kidd's Jefferson biography. That's on my radar that I want to pick up. It's I, I've read the introduction and part of the first chapter. It's it's His stuff is always good. Oh, my goodness. Well, he takes such an interesting look uh, at founding fathers particularly. Like mm-hmm. I think he's really good on the founding fathers. Yeah, his Whitfield biography is good as well if, you've not, if people haven't read that. I haven't read that one. I've read his uh, – oh, my goodness, his uh, Ben Franklin uh, biography. Was, oh, was yeah. quite good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, you ready for our main topic? Let's do it. All right. So today we are talking about uh, Martin Luther and his understanding of vocation. So a little background to this. Uh, our president dro- – oh, the band's back. Um, the main topic is the here. The main topic is here. It's transition <laughs> music is what it is. Uh, our president uh, at the time sent me an email said, hey, there's this organization. The president of Grace College and Theological Seminary. Yeah, yeah. The not, not the president of the United States. Yeah. I, just, just to clarify because, I mean, you, you are a well-connected, I am influential, not, I am not that well-connected, although, I, yeah, I don't – do I know any politicians? Probably not. Um, <laughs> I could probably get a hold of our congressman if I needed to. Yeah. Like I know somebody in his office. But, yeah. But anyway, I'm not that well-connected. Uh, the president of our school contacted me and said, hey, I want you to explore being part of this group. And so uh, it has to do with vocation. And they let us sort of define vocation however <laughs> however we want. And so mm-hmm. I did a little seminar for faculty and staff here at Grace on, the t- on Martin Luther and his view of vocation. Uh, and that was, uh, that was a fascinating discussion and, yeah. and time to engage. And I've since given a similar talk to uh, our seniors – uh, in the school of ministry about vocation and discipling people toward vocation. Mm-hmm. So that was that was really interesting. And so we're going to talk a little bit about Martin Luther's view on vocation. Have you done much reading on that front or, or not much at all? Not much. Uh, well, n- not on Luther in terms of vocation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've read other Luther stuff, uh, but not a ton on vocation. Um, and uh, I mean, I was I was in one of the, one of the reading groups you led here. That, yeah, that discussed yeah. vocation. Uh, I, f- I forget the name of the book that we were working through. The purposeful graduate. There you go. Yeah, there and that go. was more research surrounding vocation, right? And what different institutions had done to facilitate students thinking about it uh, and, and such. So, yeah. 
Um, and then you also attended my my talk. Of course. Yeah. Of course. I'm a big John Slope fan. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I'll, I'll follow around. Um, so maybe you could help us by starting with what is vocation as you understand it, or as Luther understands it, or as even we here at Grace want to talk about it. Yeah. Whatever angle you want to go with. Yeah. So a little bit how I've defined vocation uh, is – so vocation uh, is a a word we borrow from the Latin. It just means calling. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, – so I define vocation this way. God's calling and purpose for you to use your gifts, talents, and responsibilities in order to help meet the needs of other people. Okay. So that's how I defined it in our in our talk, uh, using talents, gifts, responsibilities in order to meet the needs of other people. And I, th- I would say Luther roughly would 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 agree with that 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 you are to use whatever calling the Lord has put in your life, whether that of a milkmaid or whether that uh, of a cobbler. Mm-hmm. Or you know, I'm just pulling out old um, <laughs> old jobs. Uh, How about uh, a contemporary job in there? Yeah, uh, uh, investment banker. Okay. You know, uh, to uh, to a construction worker. Yeah, yeah. Ultimately, and, and Luther always saw vocation couched in the ability to serve others. Okay. And so what what feeds into that really nicely is his understanding of justification. Like he. He cannot talk about vocation without talking about justification also. So justification, which I think Luther's more well-known for, yeah. uh, discussing that that he doesn't need to earn this salvation from God and, and mm-hmm. it gets God's approval and therefore isn't trying to work to earn that, uh, but instead could turn out and focus that on other people uh, gotcha. as a way to serve them. Okay. So that that's one of Luther's key elements of vocation. Okay. Um. So when it comes to vocation, um, help us think about um, how, how, do, how specifically does Luther help us on this subject um, and, and how were his contrib- contributions maybe uh, innovative in light of his historical context? Yeah. So – oh my goodness. How much to say? Uh, Luther really comes of age during a pretty pivotal moment mm-hmm. and he's part of the pivotal moment if, if not the the linchpin <laughs> of the pivotal moment uh, of dealing with how the Catholic Church viewed work. So Catholic Church viewed how do you build God's kingdom? Well, you become a priest, you become a monk, you become a, mm-hmm. a cardinal, you become a pope, you become a fill-in-the-blank church role, right? Yeah. Uh, where Luther wanted to say, like, n- no, how, we, how you help and serve others, how you serve God, how you how you do this is by doing whatever's in front of you. Um, and so yeah. sort of shifting that from only the priest really serve God to every person. There, there's a priesthood of all believers. Yeah. Um, and I think that works on a couple levels, right? Uh, right? It works on the level of we can all approach God. It's not just I have to go to a priest in order mm-hmm. to pray to God or – to confess sin to God or anything like that, but it's also uh, we can all we can all build God's kingdom and, and work uh, uh, to to uh, build His kingdom on earth. Yeah. So, uh, in one sense, um, as far as I understand it, it seems like Luther 
is overcoming the very sharp distinction between sort of sacred and secular. Yeah. That there were the there were the priests and the people <clears throat> working in the church who were doing holy things, sacred things, mm -hmm. and then there was everybody else who was just doing secular things, you know, uh, being a farmer, being uh, a cobbler, as you mentioned. A cobbler, uh, yeah. A blacksmith. Um, just Do you have a cobbler currently? I do not. You know we have one in Warsaw? I think I did know that. Yeah, there's a cobbler in Warsaw, a guy that calls himself a cobbler. Yeah. Yeah. For for the listeners that don't know the word cobbler, it's uh, somebody that repairs uh, shoes. Shoes, yeah. yeah. And so, you know, you, you cobble the heels on and I think, I think that's the proper <laughs> verb. <laughs> that's probably right, yeah. Yeah. So um, – Has to be a guy over 60, I think. At least, I, I, yeah. I don't think you can have a 22-year-old cobbler. Yes. At least one that you trust. OK. Yes. <laughs> I agree. Uh, it, if it's OK, I want to move on from the cobbler discussion unless we're talking about peach cobbler, berry cobbler. Mm, delightful. Very different Those cobblers. are the cobblers that I'm most familiar with. But when it comes to uh, vocation and, and what Luther had to, to say to help us, um, maybe, maybe talk a little bit more about um, – his understanding of vocation and how it relates to sort of the ordinary activities of life and, and that kind of thing. Because I think in our current context, we often think of maybe career sure. or a job and don't think as much about vocation. So maybe kind of parse out some of how those terms refer to overlapping at one level but very distinct things. Yeah. This feels like a conversation we have all the time at the university um, where I want to talk about vocation as as broad as possible, mm -hmm. um, right? That when we have a vocation or when we have a calling, it's one of many in our lives. So mm -hmm. you, Matt Harmon, have the vocation of podcast host. <laughs> uh, but you also have the vocation of uh, professor Writer, husband, father, mm -hmm. uh, intramural basketball player. You know, you know, <laughs> you wear all of these different. Uh, you have all these different callings on your life. Yeah, um, and in a sense, God has placed all of those different callings mm -hmm. on your life, um, either by giving them to you as interest, things like writing or intramural basketball or podcast hosting, for that matter. Uh, but some some uh, are part of your career, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Being a professor, writing certainly plays into that as well. Yeah. Um, so you wear – it's not just a calling that you have. Like like some people talk about the calling to ministry or the calling right. to be a doctor or the calling to um, be an auto mechanic, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think that's a helpful diagnostic between career and calling, right? That, that yeah. calling encompasses much more uh, – and uh, Luther would go as far as to say that when we practice our callings correctly or when we practice our vocations correctly, that we are actually mediating some of God's grace to other people. Mm -hmm. um, calls that the mask of God. So in his discussion of uh, the Lord's Prayer, give us a day our daily bread, when we pray that, it is a way that uh, we, we are ultimately praying for the variety of people that are practicing a vocation or a calling in order to help meet our daily needs. Hmm. Um, so what do you have for breakfast this morning, Matt? I had Did you a, skip breakfast? I had a breakfast bar, like a chocolate caramel nut kind of breakfast bar. OK. So 
how did that breakfast bar come to be? Well, it was designed in a lab, you know, and I'm just joking. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure it had some oats in there and somebody had to harvest those and somebody had to package those. Mm-hmm. Somebody, I'm sure they're processed. Yep. Um, somebody had to go to Switzerland and mine the chocolate and, and, and melt it and pour it over and, and wrap it up. And, you know, then there's a truck driver that brought it to – Aldi? Is of that, course. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then, you know, your your wife practiced the vocation of grocery shopping and went in there and purchased all – I'm assuming your wife does the grocery she shopping. She does, yeah. Okay, okay. Uh, so all of these things are ways that the the Lord is meeting your needs and answering your prayer of give us this day our daily bread. Okay. Uh, and view, being able to view that uh, as God intentionally meeting our needs through the vocations of other people. Hmm. Interesting. So um, – when it comes to uh, thinking about our own about our own lives, uh, what are some ways that we can um, discover, determine, um, unearth? I'm not sure whatever term you want to use. Yeah. Our, our our different callings or our different vocations. Yeah. Um, so. I- a, I know we have several pastors that listen to the pod. In fact, we had the pastor from Illinois emailing back after I emailed him after the show. <laughs> he appreciated uh, the shout out? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I don't think he had listened to the episode yet, uh, but he appreciated that I just responded. I think he was under the impression that we get lots of emails. <laughs> yeah, that's that, may, that might, might not be accurate. Yeah, we get uh, <laughs> not very many emails. <laughs> Which I don't think it was helped by. I got locked out of the account for a while and we got like – do you remember this? But yeah. we got like 10 emails. Yeah. I don't respond to one of them because I was locked out and then it was like six months later. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, but I think you know, for the pastor out there, it's helping people connect their day-to-day jobs uh-huh. uh, to God's work in the world uh, and how through their jobs or vocations or, the, or these different things that they are actually – helping serve other people. So that's that's one area. Mm-hmm. And I would say for the person uh, that is working in, in whatever you're doing is help uh, is trying to reflect and think through ways that their day-to-day responsibility is helping uh, helping serve others, grow God's kingdom, uh, engage in, in gospel work of some kind. Mm-hmm. How how that's helping uh, those things. So okay. those are those are just some some quick things. Gotcha. Uh, I do have some good Luther quotes here, uh, if you would like to hear them. He is eminently quotable. Uh, so on the topic of like the mask of God and God bringing, meeting your daily needs, uh, Luther would say things like, God is milking the cows through the vocation of the milkmaid. Okay. Which I love. <laughs> I think that's a good one. Um, my goodness. Let me see what else. Uh, when you pray for daily bread, you are praying for everything that contributes to you having and enjoying your daily bread. Uh, you must open and expand your thinking so that it reaches not only as far as the flour bin in the baking oven, but also over the, proce- uh, the broad fields and farmlands and the entire country that produces, processes, and conveys to us our daily bread. Um, maybe one more. I have one really fun one. Um, okay, so this one's a little bit longer, so prepare yourself. I'm buckled up and ready to go. Okay. Uh, speaking on family life. Alas, a great way to start a quote. <laughs> Alas, must I rock the baby, wash its diapers, 
make its bed, smell its stench, stay up all night with it, take care of it when it cries, heal its rashes and sores, and to top that off, care for my wife, provide for her, labor at my trade, take care of this and that, do this and that, endure this and endure that, and whatever else uh, of bitterness and drudgery married life involves. What should I make of a, pr- uh, a prisoner of myself? When then the Christian faith, what, the, what does the Christian faith say to this? It opens the eyes, uh, look upon all these insignificant, distasteful, and despised duties in the spirit and is aware that they are all adorned with divine approval as with the costliest gold and jewels. I confess to thee that I am not worthy to rock this babe or wash its diapers or to be entrusted with the care of the child and its mother. How that I, without any merit, have come to the distinction of being certain that I am serving thy creature and thy most precious will. Oh, how gladly will I do so, though the duties uh, should be even more significant and despised. So, hmm. Yeah, that's, think, that's helpful in terms of re-contextualizing uh, ordinary everyday activities that can seem like drudgery or, mm-hmm. you know, how does this serve God by, yeah. you know, changing diapers and preparing meals and, and you we, know. We might even say scrub, till, scrubbing toilets yeah, today. tilling the ground and like, mm-hmm. you know, those kinds of things. Um, so from, from your experience, how uh, – what are some things that we in the church or even here in the sort of university setting – do that can undermine uh, unintentionally, of course. That can undermine people's understanding of vocation. So, what what are some things that we do in the church or even here in the university unintentionally? Like, we're not. I don't think there's anybody out there saying I'm setting out to undermine <laughs> vocation. But what are some unintentional things that we might do or say that? Um, hinder people from understanding vocation or recognizing its importance? Yeah. A um, couple things come to mind. Uh, that sacred-secular divide, mm-hmm. I think we naturally fall into that thinking. Yeah. Particularly as evangelicals that the pastoral work is really the really the good work or missionary work might even be above that. Mm-hmm. And Everybody else is here to to support that, and they're not really doing good work. It's just these, yeah, you know, spiritual giants. I think that's one way, and I think we got to be careful not to fall into that sort of thinking. Okay. Um, and then the other thing uh, I would say is we need to have a more developed theology of work that goes along with this, uh, where we don't just say, "Go to your job." Your Christian responsibilities are to share your faith, be ethical. And make a lot of money so that we can do missions. Mm-hmm. Um, that trying to get people to understand that there is a uh, there is redemptive processes even in their own work, even okay. though those things are good, right? We, we yeah. certainly don't want to encourage unethical behavior <laughs> or or a lack of charity or yeah. you know uh, giving or anything like that. So right, yeah. So those are a couple things that come to mind. Anything you would add to to that? Um, I, I think uh, in the in the university context, I think that one of the th- the things that can 
undermine vocation is when there is such an emphasis on um, on what job can I get on the other end of this? Sure, and yeah. f- and tailoring everything to uh, a very pragmatic. Well, if I'm not going to use this tangibly in mm-hmm. whatever career that I want to engage in, um, then why do I need to learn it? You know, I'm going to be a scientist, so why do I need to take a literature class? Mm-hmm. That kind of thing, um, and that that's one of the benefits I think of the liberal arts education done, done well is that uh, it it helps form you as a person, so that you engage in those activities in a way that uh, reflects God's character and understands that uh, it's it's about more than just can I get a job? Can I just get a job on the other end of this? And can I get a job that will make me the money that I want? Yeah. Um, and you know, I think when oftentimes parents, even more so than than students, come in with that sort of um, okay, what kind of job is my kid going to be able to get on the other side of three years or four years here? And will they be able to use that to pay off their Student debt or sure. whatever, um, and I'm not I'm not downplaying that as a legitimate question. I think there's a place to ask. Oh yeah. Okay, if my kid majors in this, what kind of jobs are they likely to be able to get on mm-hmm. the other side? But um, you know, the university, in particular, the Christian liberal arts institution, should be about way more than just here's a set of job skills. We've given them to you. Mm-hmm. We've looked at you know, and I want to be careful how I say this, but you know we have a career services department here at at, at Grace, mm-hmm. and that part of their role is to help students find jobs and and even be aware of like what sort of job skills our future our employers looking for, and that has entered into our conversations in terms of what we're doing in classes and how are we are we preparing students for today's workforce? Sure, that's legitimate. That's good. Please don't misunderstand me. But sometimes people can fall into the trap of thinking, and that's it. Well, if mm-hmm. we've done that, then we've kind of done our job as an institution. Yeah, and that's not vocation. Well, it's it's, it's it, it lacks service to others. And, right. You know, you know a lot lots of times, and I know I know our career people pretty well. They, yeah, they, and they, they do a not, good job. Yeah. They, they do a good job. Um, but sometimes that that career conversation can turn very selfish very quickly, yeah. right? Sure. It, it can turn into just like a "how do I get mine" sort of conversation, right? Instead of a "how do I serve others" um, yes. conversation, which which is much more a vocational question, right? Right. Um, yeah. Uh, again, there, this is a subject that we could uh, go on for much longer. Anything that you want to make sure we add that you were hoping we'd get to that maybe we didn't before we. Move on to uh, to our next topic. I don't want to cut you off, but we are. Um, oh my goodness! Um, I'll I'll say this, and you know, sometimes we can have conversations even about vocation where it's choice driven. Uh, mm-hmm. That this is a decision you make. I I in our in our definition, I added in the word responsibilities. Mm-hmm. There are some things that come upon us that we just have to you know you know that are, that become our part of our vocation that we yeah. never ask for. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I think that's worth reflecting on as well. And uh, I I might add in there, 
too often when people even too often people think about vocation in ways that is very individualistic in terms of I have to determine what my calling sure, is. Sure, sure. And and of course there's an element of that, but the the people around you who know you well should have input on that. Mm -hmm. They should be the ones who are affirming or saying, I just don't see that. Instead, I think you're more suited the way that God has wired you and gifted you for maybe something like this. So that so that vocation is not just merely um, – and we deal with this, I think, to some degree be, with people thinking about going into ministry. Mm -hmm. Well, I have a calling. OK. All right. Well, anybody else want to like echo that? You have any people in your life who have seen your gifting, have yeah. seen your interests, have seen fruit in your life in these areas that will come along and say, "Absolutely, I think you know there there's something to that." As opposed to just, I had this warm fuzzy feeling of thinking about being in ministry, and that's what I'm going to do at youth camp or yeah. or something like that. Yeah, or well. My pastor seems like – my youth pastor seems really cool and that would be fun to have that job. So that's my calling to ministry. Well, maybe not. Time to retool and rethink. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. All right. Ready to move on to this well, day? Well, uh, do you have any resources that you can post? Yeah. There's a there's – a, Some articles or even a rec some recommended reading on this topic of vocation. Yeah. There's a book by Gene Veith uh, that I'll put uh, in the show notes. Okay. Um, David Brooks also has a quarter of a book that's dedicated to this topic. Mm -hmm. um, I'll post both those in the show notes okay. as well. All right. So it's time to move on to this day in sports history. All right. 1935, uh, the first Major League Baseball game to, uh, to be played at night. Yes. To be played at night in Cincinnati. Yeah. Reds-Phillies. Yeah. Reds-Phillies. And the Reds won. Yeah, second consecutive week with the Reds reference. Really, I don't. Well, last know. week, last week was they threw a new no hitter and lost. Oh yes, yes, <laughs> that's right. Uh, Nineteen sixty-seven, the AFL grants a franchise to the Bengals. Cincinnati, Cincinnati heavy today. We're a little Cincinnati heavy. Yeah, I mean, uh, we do have listeners in the Cincinnati area. Yeah, nineteen seventy, uh, Skyline Chili isn't. Just kidding, that's not part of this. Um, Nineteen eighty, Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, Nassau Coliseum, uh, Uniondale, New York. Uh, uh, the New York Islanders beat the Flyers five four in overtime uh, for a game four uh, four to two. For four four games to two. Yeah, four games to two series win. Okay, help me. Now, your hockey allegiance is uh, in terms of New York are with the Rangers. Yes, or with the I see. So when I, I lived there, I was a big Rangers fan, okay. and the reason was is because uh, Madison Square Garden had a cable network, and so did the Islanders. Our cable package only came with the Madison Square Garden, so I could watch Ranger games. Okay, when I lived there, um, but I would not that I know anybody on the team, but I would. Pro I definitely rooted for the Penguins living in Pittsburgh. Right. So. Okay. Yeah, is the is the division over the hockey teams in New York as heated as say baseball? No, I, I mean I think there's a small rivalry there, but it's not the it's not the Yankees Mets kind of thing, or even the the uh, Knicks Nets ish. It might be worse than Knicks Nets, but <laughs> okay, but just because the Nets have been good, I don't think the Islanders have been good. Okay. 
at least since 1980. Yeah. Yeah. They, they haven't been very, very good. Okay. Uh, 1992, the Indianapolis 500, Al Unser Jr., classic, um, holds off Scott Goodyear okay. to win by – Let me just note. If, if your last name is Goodyear, I mean being, being – You got to be a racer. You would think. Do you think that's the same family? Scott Good, well, uh, maybe, but Goodyear I mean, it, yeah. you have to get endorsement deals from. Mm-hmm. I mean, your last name is Goodyear. Maybe he changed his last name to get endorsement deals. Maybe um, that'd be a next level move. That'd be a very twenty twenty two move. It would be yeah. a very twenty twenty two move. Uh, the closest finish in Indy uh, in the Indianapolis five hundred history. Yes. So, um, man, slim pickings. Yes. I mean, the Indy 500 is coming up this upcoming weekend. Um, yeah, th- this is we, we hit a window here where um, it was heavy on the Indy 500 results in the mm. uh, May 24th. So do you have a, a, an inclination, a, a, a leaning here? I'm probably the first Major League Baseball game at night, uh, seeing that last year the podcast went to a Cincinnati That's night game. True. That's so true. excellent point. That's that'd be my leaning. Okay. Yeah, I can go with that. Okay. I can go with that. One thing you liked. Uh like I said earlier, my one thing I liked, uh the uh C.S. Lewis biography by Alistair McGrath. I think okay. I may have mentioned it before, but the fact that he was corresponding with an Italian priest and they were both writing to one another in Latin blew my mind a little bit. <laughs> Just blew yeah. my mind. Yeah. And, and to hear him break down – I mean he's doing a deep dive into just like here's how Narnia reflects medieval literature. Here's mm-hmm. how Narnia reflects this. Yeah. Here's how Lewis is going after eugenics in talking about – in Narnia, you know, you know, talking about all those things. So, right. So I was just like, wow, I didn't – you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of layers to Narnia. For sure. For sure. Uh, for me, we were in Omaha this past weekend. For my nephew's high school graduation. Nice. So it was good to see uh, Kate's family. And um, so Jake went with us. His lovely girlfriend Autumn went with us as well. That was a lot of fun. A lot of time in the car. A lot of time in the car. Yeah. It's basically 10 hours out and 10 hours back. So went out Friday, came back Monday. So nice. two days there uh, and two days on the road. Nice. But uh, good to see them, uh, good weather, and um, just a lot of fun uh, on that road trip. So we're going to go with the Omaha trip for the one thing I liked. Nice. Any good podcasts in the car that you guys are listening to? So I didn't do any podcasts. I, I was listening to a an audio book. Um, let me pull up the title here. Um, the audio book – and this is on Scribd, which is where I listen to my audiobooks. Um, it is entitled True Believer, Stalin's Last American Spy. Hmm. So it's this guy that worked in the State Department uh, in the uh, 30s and 40s and uh, was spying for the Soviet Union. And uh, interesting how that kind of came about and um, how Stalin eventually turned on him and had him yeah. captured and tortured and yeah. So uh, just cr- just crazy to think about um, the era that they lived in and and the understandable concern. You know, obviously it eventually got 
overdone, but like there were legitimate communist spies that had mm-hmm. infiltrated a lot of the government. Yeah. Um, and so just interesting to see all that play out. So it's it's good, not great. It's enough to keep my okay. interest, but it's not something that I'm like, oh, you have to listen to this. OK. So it's no 1865. No, 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 no. And uh, and not the book uh, Russians Among Us that hmm. were the sleeper cells that yeah. – uh, yeah, that was – just blew me away. Hmm. All right. We have talked limited amounts of sports. We've talked about things we're reading and a reminder about our summer read uh, Randy Newman, Mere Evangelism, 10 Insights from C.S. Lewis to help you share your faith. We talked Martin Luther on vocation. We talked some uh, night baseball. We talked about uh, C.S. Lewis, a biography that uh, John is mm-hmm. reading. And we talked about a trip to Omaha. So I think by definition, we have covered our various and sundry topics. I think so. Are you ready to call Mission Accomplished? I am. Okay, so all that's left to say is until next time, the Lord bless y'all real good. Later. Later.